You are listening to the Innovators Behind Disruption, a podcast series brought to you by Evolve ETFs. The world is evolving. Your investments should too. Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us today. We have a very special guest, Mike Zabo. Mike, thanks for coming on our podcast. Well, thanks for having me. So maybe we could start by, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the environmental market sector? Uh, sure. So um, I'm originally from Ottawa. Um, I moved over to the UK about 18 years ago. Um, my background is is in financial markets. Uh, I used to work in investment banking and then I kind of made the move over to journalism, financial journalism, and then around that time, um, I the European carbon market was just taking off and there was a position at, at Reuters um, news agency um, that I, I, I got and I that was in 2007 and I've been, just been writing about um, the carbon markets uh, ever since. Got it. Yeah, no, we've, um, uh, we've started to really get immersed into the carbon credit market over the last few months trying to uh, get a good handle on it. And that's the reason why we wanted to have you on here because you are one of the people that I've spoken to in the last few months that seems to be uh, incredibly well versed. So maybe we can start uh, near the top. And can you can you just talk a little bit about uh, carbon pricing and uh, taxes versus, for example, cap and trade and how it all works? Sure. So uh, as everyone knows, climate change is becoming a, a more serious uh, problem that's that's impacting humanity. And so, you know, one of the, the ways we deal with that is to, to cut emissions. And um, so one of the problems to date has been that polluting has essentially been free. Um, you know, you could you can um, emit whatever you like and cause as much kind of environmental damage as, as you like and there's no cost um, uh, incurred to you on that. Um, obviously there's a, a, a social cost and the environmental cost and so um, one of the ways to that economists have looked at um, dealing with this is to put a price on on carbon on pollution that reflects the the cost incurred. Um, so one of the earliest examples of this was um, uh, acid rain in the 90s and they um, the US put a, 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 a they started a cap-and-trade system uh, um, to, to address that um, the, the gases that cause acid rain and, and for those of us that can remember I mean it's not it's something that's not talked about really anymore because essentially a, a, this market-based mechanism uh, worked and it's managed to, to, to um, basically kind of solve the acid rain problem. So with, with carbon, um, to put a price on, on emissions, there's kind of two main um, approaches. You can either impose a tax where you just set a, a price on emissions. Um, the, the drawback for that is you don't know what, how many emissions you'll get at the end of the day. Um, you just know what the price is. And then there's cap and trade where you set an overarching cap on emissions and then you hand out permits based on on the quantity under that cap, and then people uh, companies can decide um, whether to cut and and uh, and 
sell their permits or if they want to emit more they can go to the market and buy from from sellers and so this this kind of supply and demand dynamic um, determines a, a, a cost um, for carbon and the, the um, so the, the drawback for this system is you don't know exactly what the price is going to be but the benefit is you have a, a, a good sense of of you have control over emissions levels and you're able to set the a, a downward trajectory on those where you um, distribute fewer and fewer permits every year and then that drives emissions down to your your target yeah you know your your first part is so spot on which is uh how important this is becoming in our in our world right now and we're seeing a lot of discussions i was actually watching a couple of days ago a discussion uh, by the world economic forum with uh, mark carney and bill gates and talking about you know the the importance of carbon credits uh as that transitionary tool to reaching that net zero goal that uh, that we all have can you um distinguish for us the difference between compliance credits versus voluntary credits sure so <clears throat> compliance credits uh the, are the, those exist in compliance markets so they are for example the the EU emissions trading scheme or in in Canada there's the Quebec um, emissions trading scheme which is linked to California and so those are are um, regulations that cover certain sectors and that and those the companies operating those sectors are forced to participate and they're forced to um, buy uh, allowances carbon allowances and surrender carbon allowances um, every year against their emissions. And so the allowances in those are, are compliance-based. Um, and then beyond that, there's the voluntary market, which is, um, it's not regulated. Um, it's it's a global market um, and it's based, it's based on um, several standards um, that kind of set the, the rules and the parameters for these credits. And these are, these are um, more geared towards um, investors or companies that are have decided, um, you know, I, I want to invest in in cutting carbon um, voluntarily, um, and these are based on the premise that that um, these cuts in emissions are only possible um, with the help of the revenue generated from selling the credit. So this is a concept in in our markets called additionality, in that. Um, if if these if these cuts make sense without the prospect of of uh, carbon credit financing, then you should you should do make the cuts and and not receive credits and not sell them. However, if um, if you decide that oh you know if we you know we could make this change in our company and it would reduce emissions by a hundred tons and selling those credits would actually finance the whole thing and make it viable, then and those are the type of projects that are uh, that exist under the voluntary market. And so the voluntary market is is become more important now with with com companies looking to achieve net zero emissions, um, which means basically they're going to cut emissions as as low as possible. But there's always going to be kind of a residual level that they're not able to cut by. And so at that that you know that amount. Uh, Many companies are seeking to to buy voluntary credits, or you know, they're also called offsets, 
um, to basically neutralize that that final bit to um, get them to net zero. Can you uh, distinguish for us uh, what California compliance offsets are? Because I know you mentioned you know the relationship between the province of Quebec and, and California, kind of how it came about and what 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 the what are CCOs? Uh, yeah, so CCOs are, are California carbon offsets, and those are generated from a, a selection of approved project types. Um, so, for example, um, uh, destroying ozone depleting gases, um, capturing coal mine methane, um, uh, cutting emissions at livestock uh, from livestock, and then uh, forestry is is the biggest. Um, share of, of in that market and that's basically um, protecting and maintaining uh, forests um, and so those you have similar um, project types in Quebec and basically these are are geared towards um, the concept of offsets in, in the compliance market is that some companies may um, see it may determine that it's that is cheaper to say protect a forest on a ton by ton basis or cut emissions at um, a livestock facility than to actually make um, internal cuts within their own operations. And because the, ar the argument is that a ton is a ton, you know, anywhere. So if you're able to cut a ton some in another city or in another region or another country, um, then you should do that. And that is, equivalent to you cutting a ton within your own your own company got it um maybe it would be worthwhile to just kind of back up for a second because you know as we've been out there talking to individuals uh you know we're obviously in the financial services industry us specifically an etf issuer you know we're not uh we're not environmental experts uh and most people that we're talking about carbon credits you know, sometimes have a tough time kind of wrapping their, their head around. Can you kind of give us a simple example of how a carbon credit gets originated? Like what's the process that it actually has to go through in order to get from, you know, project idea all the way to, uh, to selling, uh, for example, that credit in the open market? Yeah, so, um, so for something like, say, California, um, you you know they have these these uh, project types that have been approved. So you get developers who will go out to um, different companies that operate in these sectors. So for example, let's take um, livestock, and so they may they may go to a, a cattle farm or a pig farm, and 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 the operators of of those facilities you know probably won't know about this market um, or no won't know how it works or they they're not planning and participating in it. Um, but the developer can then say, you know, there's this market, and you can. Um, it's it may be profitable for you to invest in um, cutting emissions here, and so the developer, you know, typically would help them get the project registered um, under that scheme. Um, there may be some financing. There may be a, a an offtake agreement where they say, "Look, you know, we'll we'll help pay for it, um, and then we're going to buy all the credits from you for this set price." Um, and then those developers then 
then sign contracts with people in the market um, and take those 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 offset credits to market and sell those to emitters who may decide um, you know what it's it's cheaper for me to buy one of these some of these offsets compared to cutting our own emissions internally. Got it. Um, a lot of people obviously are saying that there's 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 two camps, right? One camp I mentioned before, you know, Bill Gates and Mark Carney are out there saying how important carbon credits are going to be as a transitionary step to getting to net zero. And then you've got um, another camp of individuals that think that carbon credits are just simply greenwashing and enabling companies to just pollute and uh, and uh, go and purchase credits to to neutralize that impact. Well, how do you how do you look at it? Like, what's what's your view on this, and how do you address that uh, that group that says that carbon credits are effectively facilitating greenwashing? Um, yeah, I mean that's that's been a a common um, concern about the market for as long as as I've been covering it, um, and the issue one of the issues comes from what I was describing earlier with additionality in that um, it's quite difficult to prove um, what would have happened without um, the, you know, the, the, the carbon finance that comes with, with generating credits and selling credits. Um, so that's, that's one concern. There've been a number of stories recently talking about, um, you know, forestry projects in, in, in the U.S., um, where you know some of the baselines or some of the the assumptions um, may have been um, exaggerated or incorrect, um, and so and this is kind of it's it's concerning the buyers because you know as a, as a buyer of an offset, you don't want to buy a credit from a project that you know later on the project is is um, is discredited or they find it it lacks environmental integrity. And so this is this is why there's this um, major push going on to really improve the the standards, um, improve the safeguards, um, you know, Im implement other measures. For example, you know, with forestry projects, putting aside a, a a buffer account of of credits in case you know you buy credits from a from a forest and part of it burns down, um, then you know there's there's this kind of um, uh this reserve of credits that could then be retired and not actually used against emissions um to to uh to take uh, account of that so i mean i i think there there are a lot of concerns that we hear about and we we report on on all of them um and but you know the the proponents of the market and and the, the critics kind of all agree that that you need um Kind of very tough standards and oversight, and um, uh, to ensure that that these things uh, don't occur, and um, and that the market is uh, you know maintains its its integrity. Right. So you've you've been part of the carbon markets for a while now, uh, very well seasoned uh, at it. Can you provide some maybe closing observations on how the industry has evolved? And um, and and where you see in terms of the kind of infrastructure that we need, uh, the rails around this industry to continue to see it it, it flourish. Yeah. So, um, I mean, things are really accelerating with uh, with climate action. 
And um, in some of the more mature markets, uh, compliance carbon markets, um, you know, we, for example, in Europe, uh, it's, the price was low for a long time and, and it wasn't really incentivizing anything. And then the price started to, to, to rise as supply got tighter and demand increased. And that has um, essentially phased coal-fired generation out um, of, of a lot of countries um, in, in favor of gas. And so, um, you know, most of, um, most, for example, in, in the UK now, we, you know, we used to have about 10 years ago, it was about, our, we got about a third of our power from gas, from coal. And, and with carbon pricing, um, with the help of carbon pressing, now we get, I think the latest annual figure was south of, I think, three or four percent of our power now comes from coal. Um, yeah. And we get, you know, we get more of it from from gas. And so, so now um, people are kind of looking to the next step um, with, with, um, you know, the other sectors that that need to abate, where the price hasn't been high enough to to incentivize cuts in those sectors. So, for example, road transport or industrial processes like cement making and steel making. And so the, the next kind of stage is um, to get the carbon price high enough to incentivize investment. So before we, we it, was, it got to the level where it incentivized renewable energy. Um, uh, and now um, investors and, and lawmakers you know, want the price to, to climb to the next kind of range that will incentivize the next, uh, the next um, major wave of investment so here, this could be carbon capture and storage. Um, it could be hydrogen, um, and so these, you know, these things require a, a, a carbon price of, you know, high double digits, low triple digit um, in terms of Canadian dollars per ton. Um, and so they, yeah, they basically see this as the, as the next um, the next step. And so. Um, and investors, you know, investors see this as well, and this is why um, a lot of them are, are playing um, the the carbon credit market and investing in compliance credits um, as a as a um, uh, to give them exposure into the low carbon transition, as well as as uh, it's also a hedge against inflation, um, and some some use it as a uh, to kind of quote unquote green their portfolios. Um, because investing in 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 carbon allowances raises the price, which makes it more um, expensive to emit, and then that you know in theory leads to fewer emissions. So, so this is kind of what what investors are looking at these these days, and this is how the market's developing, and what what people are looking towards uh, in the future. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more eyeballs on this space right now. There's no there's no doubt about it. I think a lot of people want to get more educated in terms of understanding and all as you know uh, very well all stemming from our strive to net to get to net zero in the next uh, 30 years so listen mike really appreciate your time keep up the great work uh love your uh your your, your website uh carbon pulse and um, maybe you could tell everybody what the uh what the website address is and uh and then we can uh, close it off yeah sure so we're we're a b2b um, basically a trade magazine. Um, we also, uh, well, we cover kind of all carbon markets, carbon pricing 
initiatives, carbon taxes and climate policy. Um, so we're at www.carbon-pulse.com. Great. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Raj. It's a pleasure. You have been listening to the Innovators Behind Disruption, a podcast series brought to you by Evolve ETFs. Remain educated. Be informed. Sign up for our newsletter and learn more at EvolveETFs.com.